glory to Jesus. So we've been um, on a series that I, I believe is going to end today, <clears throat> unless I get here next Sunday and feel like we're supposed to keep it going. But we've been in a series actually on Wednesday nights in, uh, in August, and then for this whole month of September, talking about hearing God. And I, I, I have to say that I don't believe that there's any other message more important. Maybe you've heard me say, well, you said that about that series. Well, yeah. Anyway, I, I really don't believe that there's anything more important for, for a child of God today than being confident that they hear the voice of God. Uh, being confident that they can hear God. You know, it's one thing to acknowledge the fact that God is real and that God speaks, but does he speak to you? Um, you know, we, and, and all through this series, we've talked about there's so many different types of voices in the earth. So many voices. They're everywhere. Um, you know, there's the voice of God, and then there's thousands of different types of voices that come and speak to us and, and say things to us on a daily basis. You know, maybe not thousands every day, but there are thousands of voices that you've heard and listened to through your life. If you've been here longer than a year, uh, you've, I'm, I'm talking about on the earth, which all of us sitting in here have, um, you've heard many, many, many different types of voices. And um, I, I'm, I'm absolutely confident that we, as children of God, can bring everything to this, this narrow road where we don't pay attention to anything else but God. We don't pay, any, pay attention and listen and give any validity to any other voice but the voice of God. That's what he wants. He wants you and I to hear his voice and the voice of the stranger he doesn't want us listening to or following after. And actually, in that passage of Scripture, it says that my sheep hear my voice and the voice of the stranger they don't follow. They don't follow. We've read in, in this series, we've started each of these in September in the book of Psalms. And we've started with, um, with Psalm 23. And just read through these. Psalm 23 and verse 1 says, For the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me. Say, he leads me. Okay, so he leads me, he leads you, he leads us. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of what's right for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because he leads me. I hear his voice. For you are with me. How do you know that? Because he leads me. Your rod or, and your staff, your word and your spirit, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. How does your cup run over? Because God leads you. And he leads you in a place of more than enough. Your cup doesn't just barely come to the top. Uh, Your cup doesn't just come halfway. Your cup doesn't just come to the right, just barely over the top, but your cup runneth over. Why? Because God leads us. And if God is leading you, that's the place he wants you to live because he wants to reveal that to you. He wants you to hear him, hear his voice, know what he says, know what he thinks about given situations. So you don't have to figure life out on your own. I tell you, I tell you this, if you're the God of your life, you're a horrible God. You're a great follower, but you're a horrible God. Because there's only one God and, and there was only one that was created to be God and it wasn't you. But God created all of us to be great leaders who are leading people to know God. I didn't say you weren't a good leader because everybody was created to lead someone. Joyce Meyer says everybody's created to lead someone even if it's you leading your dog. Everybody was created to lead. But no one, no human being was created to be their God. And the only way that I know, the only way, you can have a head full of knowledge. But if that, if that knowledge doesn't become a voice, and it doesn't become information that is changing you, then the knowledge is absolutely no good. It just sits there. You know it, but you don't do anything with it. God created us to know who we are, why we're here, what our purpose is, what our vision is, and fulfill it, but we have to be led by Him, as the Scripture said. Um, So today, um, I'm going to end this series with talking about your conscience. Have you ever said have you ever said this? Man, I don't know why I did that. Man, I don't know why I ate that. Man, I don't know why I went there. Oh, why did I say that? Man, why did I say that? Or have you ever said this? I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have said that. I knew I shouldn't have bought that. Oh, come on, somebody laugh at that one. (laughs) Okay, so the, the big, 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 huge question is, why did you? Now, part of it's funny but part of it, we can laugh a little bit, but we got to get serious about it. Because here's the deal. We've talked about this in all this teaching. Go back and listen to the messages. 
But here's the thing. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit man. Your conscience is. But there's a voice in your flesh that is tied to the unrenewed part of your soul. So there are two different voices that are battling for control of your flesh. Why did you do that thing that you knew you shouldn't have done? Why did you say that thing? You knew what, you know, I knew I shouldn't have said that. I knew I shouldn't have gone there. I know I knew I shouldn't have eaten that. You knew, you knew, you knew. What happened? There was an override of your spirit because your spirit and the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to prove this in Scripture in a moment, your spirit and the Holy Spirit are one. And your conscience that says, you don't need that. You don't need to buy that. You don't need to go into debt for that. You don't need to do this thing or that thing. That's not what you need to do. But your flesh says, I got to have it. What we're talking about today will answer about 99% of the problems on planet Earth. If we learn to not override the voice of our spirit based on what our flesh wants. So I'm going to prove it. Paul says this in Acts 24. Just give me that, give me that one verse. Acts 24 and 16 in the New Living Translation, if you can give that to me. Paul, Paul makes this statement. He said, um, because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. Everybody say a clear conscience. I, I, I always try to maintain a clear conscience. Um, can you give me that in the New King James? This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Wow. So then offenses can affect and distract the way that I hear the voice of God. Because see, what I want to do is, I want to be able to not just hear God's voice, but I want to be confident that's what I need to do. And offenses, when my conscience is not clear, when it's muddied and, 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 and it's, it's blocking me from being able to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to my human spirit to convey to my mind so that I know what to do so I can tell my flesh, we're not buying that. No, 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 we're not going to say that. No, we're not going to eat that. No, we're not going to do this. No, we're not going there. No, God said no. I had somebody in a, another country uh, ask me to come and preach next year. And when he asked me, 
he acted like he wanted my response right then. Sounded great, sounded exciting, but I had to hear in my spirit. Sounded like something that I would want to do, but God knows better, see? And if my conscience isn't clear and I'm letting my emotions control the way that I make a decision and I make a decision based on the moment, you know, I could fly somewhere overseas invited by someone else on someone else's bill and the whole thing, I could go somewhere else and be in the wrong place at the wrong time because he knows best. Say this after me. Father knows best. Sounds like a TV series. Some of you don't even laugh at that because you have no idea what I'm talking about. I barely do, but I do know. You know, I'm 42, so... I'm right in that. (laughs) Father knows best. Why would I want to be somewhere, I don't care how exciting it sounds, why would I want to be somewhere that God doesn't want me? Not only do I have to know how to hear the voice of God, I've got to be convinced. And that means there has to be a training in my flesh. Flesh has to know you don't get to do everything you think you want to do. Man, we live in a society that, hey, if you, can, if you got money for it, and it seems good, and it looks good, do it. I do everything, Paul said, do whatever it takes to keep my conscience clear or void of any type of offense between God and man. How do you do that? You do that by knowing what the will of God is. You do that by knowing the word of God that will show you what's right in a given situation. You mean that God can tell you whether you should buy something or not? I mean, see, if you're not practicing those kind of things, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to learn how to hear him. Yeah, okay, I mean... You know, why, 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 would I, why, would I, why would I be concerned about praying? I got the money. It's not that big of a deal whether I have it or not. Okay, and, and I kind of used to think that way. I used to think of things that way. But here's the other thing. <clears throat> what if you do everything in life based on money? What if you buy everything because it's the cheapest thing? Well, what's the price? I mean, find out the price of something, and if you don't have the money, you know, believe God for it. God wants you in faith in everything that you do. You ever bought something because it was the cheapest thing? Had to take it back four times? Huh? It wasn't so cheap, was it? I'm telling you, but people buy really crappy things because of the price, and find themselves in worse shape than they were before. Anybody ever believed God for something quality at a better price? Me? Me and Fabian? Okay, several here. I, I, I mean, put your faith out for something. What is, okay, maybe, this is, maybe there's something that you need in life. God said he's already met everything that is a need in your life. 
So if God's met your need and you're seeing something that you need and you don't have the money to get that or it, to get it, I got to buy this cheap thing, I, I wouldn't buy it. Okay, God, show me what, what I need to do in this situation. Show me how to get from here I am. I, at the moment, I, the money is not in my hand because I'm not talking about stealing something. I'm talking about believing God for it. And when you get in that place and you start developing that in life, what happens is your conscience is clear because you're always looking to him for your sustenance, not other people. Man, other people can promise you all kinds. Man, I tell you what, I'm going to write a book someday on all the promises that people have made to me in my life. Wow. The promises that were never kept. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, people all day long will promise you. And I, t- I promise you, had I, had I put my faith in stock in people keeping their promises, I wouldn't be serving God today. It's not about that. It's about you learning, you and I learning that God is real, he's got my back, he's got my best interest. I mean, every scripture that we talk about when we talk vision this year as we've talked, Jeremiah 29, 11. He said, I know the, the, the thoughts and the plans I have for you. What are they? To barely make it. No. To exceed and be on top. And I mean, I mean to get to, to fulfill everything that he had planned for you even before you were created. God had a plan for your life before you were even thought about. And he wants you to fulfill those plans. That's our God. We have to know how to hear him. Can you say amen to that? Look at Romans 8. And verse um, 14. Romans 8 and 14. For as many as are led, as many as are led, what does it say in Psalm 23? He leads us. He leads us in what is right for our life. Go back there and remember that. When he said he leads you in the places of righteousness, what righteousness is, is what's right. In other words, it's what's right in him, what he thinks is right. There's a lot of ideas and things out there. And, and, you know, you have to choose whether you think you can know exactly what's right from God or not. I mean, if he said I can, then I can. And if, he's, and if it takes, for me to know what's right, if it takes me to be led by him, then I got to hear him to know what's right. And then he confirms it right here. This is New Testament. <clears throat> for as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the sons of God, daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Watch this, verse 16. For the Spirit himself bears witness with my spirit that I'm his child. The way we hear the voice of the Spirit is that He bears witness with our spirit that we are, as the song says, who He says we are. 
Now, let's back this up just a tad. What information is my human spirit getting? It's not from CNN. My spirit man will reject CNN. My spirit man can only connect with what Father says. But how does my spirit man get built up? How is it strengthened? How does my spirit man get to a place where the Holy Spirit bears witness with my human spirit? Only one way. It has to be from the knowledge of the truth that we deposit inside of us So when you find a situation where it seems impossible and you know that the Word says you can do all things through Christ who is your strength, that's the first witness. Then there's a second witness that is the Holy Spirit confirming that that's true, that you can do it. I knew I shouldn't have done that. Why did you do it? Because your human spirit had information knowing that it wasn't right. Holy Spirit came to confirm you didn't need to do that. But parts of your unrenewed mind told your flesh, we're going to do it anyway. And you did it anyway because you got in override mode and you wanted what you wanted instead of what he wanted for you. You know what's difficult about this? Is that most people think that the override comes (laughs) when there's anything good in life that happens. See, God God wouldn't want me to be blessed like that, so I have to to choose the, the, the secondary route. Man, I don't serve a secondary God. <laughs> I don't know about you, but, but, but my God's got it all. What my God doesn't want is for me to be harmed. So he has my best interest always at all times in no matter what is being said. So again, again, the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit That I am who he says I am. I can have what he says I can have. I just have to have it his way. And I have to have it on his timing. Always. Now, I want to confirm this a little bit deeper. Look at Romans 2. Romans 2 and verse 14. I want to read I want to read this in the New Living Translation and then I want to read it in the message 14, 15, and 16. So I'm going to start with the New Living. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law or word 
show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. How would somebody obey the word and they don't even know it? What did, what did Fabian teach today? What was his first word? You ever seen a Gentile, an unsaved person give? Some of them give in amazing ways. Where'd they get that from? Not from Apple, but you, you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> they got that from the Word because he's the ultimate giver. He, he gave, and what happened? Everything happened. All the stories that Fabian told about giving today, that's God. And so when you hear a story of somebody giving something, they instinctively, and you say, well, you know what? Man, they're not saved. How, why, why would they, they do it? And, and, and most Christian people are stingy. Because they overrode what their flesh wanted to do by doing something right. And the Christian overrode their spirit by thinking of themselves. Can that happen? That's what he just said. They demonstrate, verse 15, that God's law is written in their hearts. Where'd they get that from? On the tablets of every man's heart is written the law of God. Saved, unsaved, doesn't matter. Because we are all created in the image of God. So the laws of God are in there. Guy that's on death row that murdered somebody in some vicious way, and he's on death row, laws of God are in his heart. What happened? Override. Listen, folks, we can do this thing. We can get the work done on the earth if we'll do what he says. If we learn this stuff, listen, I'm called to deliver it. I'm delivering it the way I believe God wants me to deliver it. But you've got to do something with it and make it your own. They demonstrate, verse 15, that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they're right. Their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they're doing right. Listen to this in the message. When outsiders who have never heard of God's law or his word follow it, more or less by instinct, they confirm its truth by their obedience. They show that God's law or his word is not something alien imposed on us from without, but woven into the very fabric of our creation. There is something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no, his right and his wrong. 
need to step up here because that word right there just stepped on my toes a little bit. Right? It should. It should step on our toes. We have the ability inside of us, whether we're saved or not, to know what's, what we should do and what is right and what's wrong. What are we going to learn to pay attention to? I mean, we have so much more available in our lives if we just get born again. But just because it's available, the fact that we're born again doesn't mean it will work if we don't do something with it. <clears throat> Amen? Just on our way to our last passage, look at Romans 9. First verse, just this one verse. <clears throat> and I'm going to read it out of the New Living also. With Christ as my witness, Romans 9.1 in the New Living Translation. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My spirit and the Holy Spirit confirm whether I'm telling the truth or not. Whether I do what's right or not. <laughs> Listen, you don't need anybody else judging your life. Paul said it three different times. He said, I consider it a very little thing that I'm judged by you because I'm judged by God. When you're living this type of a lifestyle that I'm talking about, that we've been talking about now for actually the last two months, when you live this type of a lifestyle, you, you don't care what other people think about you when you're judged by God. The problem with us that causes us to be concerned about what other people think, if you lay awake at night troubled by somebody that doesn't know that you're troubled by them, Come on, right? Yeah, I can hear all the chuckles now because some of you lay awake and all of us have it time, at different times or another. If you're laying awake at night thinking about somebody that's, and, and you're troubled about that person, you're not listening to the voice of God. I'm not saying you can't think about somebody, pray for them, intercede for them. That's one thing. But if you're worried and fretful about someone else, all that's doing is shutting down your advancement. You're not meditating on what the song said today. I am who he said I am. We need to come in our life. I've got this microphone here, so just listen to what I'm saying. This is where we've been. We've got to bring it into right here. Where all we think about is what he says about us. Because when you know who you are, and you're meditating only on what he says about you, then not only are you not listening to the other voices regarding you, but now you're helping other people to be able to get past it also. 
Then when you listen to the news, you know, some people, and I've, I've gone through seasons in my life where I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to any news. I wouldn't listen to the news at all. Didn't want to listen to anything, hear anybody or anything else. And that's okay for a while, but you can't stick your head in the sand and be so spiritually minded that you're no earthly good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that, that just doesn't work. you got to know what's happening. But you got to get to a place where you're developing your spirit, man. You know who you are so that you hear stuff on t- TV. You can take that information and begin to pray. Pray what? Especially pray Ephesians 1 and 3. Father, I just thank you for... President Trump, and I just pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation be on him, the eyes of his understanding come alive. I thank you for this senator, that senator, for this governor, for that governor, for this this representative, that representative, this person, that person, whatever is going on. And there's all kinds of stuff going on. And I I just tell you right now, this message, this 40-minute message right here, if everybody in the world heard this, and there's many, many like it, if they just heard something like it and just heard about hearing the voice of God and knowing the difference, you know, in their conscience and, and having a clear conscience versus a muddied conscience, conscience if, if, if they heard this, it'd answer all the problems. Because if everybody was hearing God, <laughs> we'd get it all right. That's the only problem right here. Boom. That's it. You ever been around somebody and you're joking about, well, we're just settling all the world issues. Ha, 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 Well, we just did. Ha, 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 right? We, I mean, the world issues are settled if everybody hears God. I mean, my gosh. That means I can't wait for someone else to hear God. That means it's got to start with me. How about you? Huh? Because if you're hearing God, then what's going to happen? It's going to help someone else to hear God. We're not hearing God and knowing who we are and what he says we are for, just for us. It's so when I know who I am, then I'm not over here staying awake at night worrying about what other, somebody else thinks about me because I'm comfortable in my own skin. I know who I am. I won't let anything else attack and distract me. So now I can be a blessing and help other people because I'm not about myself. That's what it takes. Can you say amen? Amen. With Christ as my witness, verse uh, verse 1, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit, they confirm it. They bear witness. That second witness from the Holy Ghost, glory to God. Bert, you're hearing right. Sir, you're hearing right. You don't need to eat that. You're right. You're right. I have a confession I say over myself. I've said this now since the 15th of January this year. I say this over myself. I don't need grains and sugar. And I don't need them. I say that over myself every day. And it came from a revelation that God brought to me through information that I got from other people. And when I got that information, I realized grains and sugars are not good for me. And I say over myself every day, why? I mean, just because I'm saying grains and sugars are not good for me doesn't mean that grains and sugars have left the planet. In fact, if I'm saying things like that, they're more in my face than ever before. But I believe I've heard God, and I believe Not only are they not good for me, I don't need them. And because I don't need them, then I don't eat them. 
So I say over myself, even though I've had a few here and there over, since January, I become more convinced every day because I am what he says I am and I can do what he says I can do. And if he tells me that that's the way it is, then that's the way it is for me. I didn't mean that's for you. That's what I heard for me. I'm going to say it again. Just because you heard something for you doesn't mean it's for the rest of the world. But if it works for you, then people ask you questions about why it works for you. Then you can help other people. See, don't shove your thoughts and truths and all that kind of stuff down other people, right? I'm not shoving this truth down your throat. You're here because you want to be. Anybody come knock on your door today and hold a gun to your head and tell you to come to church? You didn't do that for me, Fabi? No, okay. <clears throat> no, nobody, nobody did that. You're here because you want to be here. I'm giving you the truth because I think you want to hear, and I'm, I'm, I'm not backing off. I can't back off. Why? Because the Holy Spirit then will confirm that what I'm saying is the truth, and if you get it and you do it the way he says, in the same way, whatever it is in, in life, then you don't have to always live your life thinking, you know what, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have gone there. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I knew I shouldn't have paid attention. I knew I shouldn't have said that. I knew I shouldn't have bought that. I knew I shouldn't have eaten that. I knew, I knew, I knew. You start putting your word out there that God says is so, then you'll get ahead of the game instead of always playing catch-up. I'm, I'm, I'm done with playing catch-up. I'm not catching up to anything. I want to be ahead of the game. You know why? That's where my Jesus is. He's ahead. He's on top. Wherever he is, that's where I am. If he's on top, if he's at the right hand of the Father, he said, I'm represented there, so that means I'm there. Right? That's where we are. And that's who God made us to be. Can you say amen? Then I want to end today in 1 Corinthians 8. <clears throat> and verse 1. I'm going to read that in the... I'm going to read this in the <clears throat> New Living Translation. And... <clears throat> It's funny because I used to read 1 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10. There was just a lot of things in there that I thought, what does that have to do with us? And the more I read it, I realized he was using this as an example for their day, but this example couldn't be anything. Because what he's talking about in chapter 8 is not meat. He's talking about idols. And he uses meat because they could relate to it in their day. So I'm going to read this real quickly and end with this. But all I want to do is make a point about this. And it would be really good for you to go and read this in light of what I'm fixing to say to you about this passage. There's 13 verses in this chapter. And I'll read probably most of them. Now regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols. Yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. 
We know love makes, or, uh, knowledge makes us feel important, but it's taking the knowledge and doing something with it that's what strengthens the church. Why? Because see, if everybody in here purposes day to day to hear God in everything that you do, then the, everybody in this place is strengthening the church of Jesus Christ and it's making, the, it's making the church be the answer man in the world. See, when we do this together and we take this information, because see, not, not everybody's beating the doors down to get here to hear this information. So that's why we're called to take it to them. And when we're all doing it together and connecting together and we're hearing the voice of God, then we become the answer man. That means when people have problems, who do they call? The people with answers. People that know who they are. I know who I am because I am who he says I am. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. That's the passage in the New King James that says, if any man thinks he knows anything, let him think he knows nothing as he ought to know it. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a god and that there is only one god. There may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. One God, one Christ, one resurrection. There's only one connection. Nothing else in life is a good God. Can you say amen to that? I'm going to say it again. Nothing else in, God, in life is a good God except God. Verse 7. However, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real, so when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods, and their weak conscious, consciences, their conscience that is weak, is affecting other people. Watch this. Their, their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do eat it. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Let me just leave it at that. Um, 
like I said, it would, I would really encourage you to go read that after I say what I'm fixing to say. Your life is not just about you. Your life is about all the people that come into your life. All the family members you have, all your family members' friends, all of uh, your extended family members, all of your friends. Most of us have friendships in, in different, in different era, uh, era, eras of life. Um, like if you, were, if, if you were born in a certain town and you went all the way through high school and you lived there, that, that's a group of friends that you have, you still have, especially if you're on Facebook or, or Instagram or anything else and you've got all different types of friends. You know, i got a couple of thousand different friends and, you know, a third of them are from high school days. Another third are from college and golf days that, that I was in and another third are people from around here from the church life, you know. And, and so you have all these different types of friends, right? And... Um, in, our, in all of our friendships and our connections, your life is not just about you. It's about the people you come in contact with. And it's about what you do with your life every day. I like what he said in, this, in the passage here. You know, they were all freaked out about the meat and certain meats were being offered that were unclean meats. And, they, and it, was, it was a big deal in their day. But when you look at that, he said, you know, at the end of the day, through the blood of Jesus and what Christ has accomplished, it doesn't matter whether you eat the meat or you don't eat the meat. It doesn't matter whether you do this or you don't do this. It's what you do based on what you hear. Now, I'm going to use this example to tie it in with the meat. And this may relate to you, or if it, if, if it steps on your toes because it relates to something that's still going on in your life, don't take it as a negative. I'm just using it totally as a, an example, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover the bases as much as I can, and I'm going to do it in a real quick period of time. Okay? So, when I was growing up, <clears throat> I just, you know, I just caught a bunch of stuff along the way. You know, I had no oversight. I wasn't born again. My family wasn't. I was the first one to get saved in all of my family. And today, everybody's saved. Thank God. Amen. But I got saved two months before my, gradu- my high school graduation. And I was, uh, I mean, I, I did drugs because everybody else did drugs. I didn't really like drugs. I just did them because that's what everybody did. I drank. In fact, I started drinking and started drinking all the time. And, you know, I, I have to say, I really, liked, I really liked drinking beer. And I drank a lot of it. But I just drank everything else at the same time and really became, became um, a teenage alcoholic because I really liked drinking. I, got to, I, I made myself drink because everybody else did. And, I, and, and I, I really liked drinking, so I drank. When I got saved, something happened with me. It just, it just happened. And within about a a year period of time, all the things in the natural that you would say, well, if you're a Christian, you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't do this, you can't chase women, you can't do all these other things. All those things that I did, I, 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 didn't, I wasn't around a religious group of people, so they didn't really talk about the things that I did, but within a year, I quit all of it. I just, I just didn't do it. 
And so as I, as I begin to walk, I, I, I would come across people that would, Christians that would, that had been born again for a long period of time, and I saw them at times when they hid their life from other people, but they didn't hide it from me, and they were on a drinking binge. But everybody at church thought they were all that. But literally, they were, they were drunks. I'm not talking about just one person. I'm talking about multiple people. They were drunks. And along the way, um, I found people that are Christian people that never could beat the drug addiction that they had. See, the deal with me was, I didn't really like any of it. But I acquired a taste for it, but when I got born again, I got so infatuated with God and with the Word and so into the Word, I just forgot about that stuff. Then, then, when God could actually speak it to me, like at times two or three or four years in, when I was offered drinks or drugs or whatever, I just thought to myself, I don't even want it. I'd gotten so much of the Word in me that those things I didn't want. Now, the thing about, and I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning those articles, and I know we're going a little bit over, but I need to finish this, okay? So just bear with me. Those things were all in the outward appearance. But what I didn't get rid of in a year or two or three or four was bitterness, hatred, unforgiveness, and all these other things. And you can become, you can come to a place where you feel pretty high and mighty in yourself that, you know what, I don't drink, I don't drug, I don't this, I don't that, I don't do any uh, bad things or whatever. And yet, you still have unforgiveness, you have this, you have that. And what he's saying here, and I want to make the point about the meat, one way or the other, Everybody say, I'm listening. Okay, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. With God, the issue isn't whether you drink or you do drugs or you smoke or whatever, the natural things like that. It's not whether you do those things. You do them or you don't. You come in, you've come into this church, different ones of you, some of you, maybe you still smoke reefer. Maybe you still, you know, you have uh, uh, too many drinks at different times or whatever. Maybe you do those kind of things. It's not whether you do that or you don't that really matters. What matters is, is that you understand that the mind of your spirit is your conscience and what matters is, is that you grow in the Word, so whether you do those things or not, you're doing it based on what God thinks about it. And if you don't become convinced of that through His Word, it's not going to work. Now, what does God think of, this is my opinion, okay? What does God think of drinking alcohol? What does God think of? Drunkenness and drinking are two different things. Drunkenness is in the same category as a lot of other things in the form of excess. You have to see that in the Word. 
having a drink, having something, there's nothing, I can't find anything in Scripture that says you can't go home at night and have a beer. Now, I got a lot of, I got Christian friends on one side that totally in agreement with me and, and more. And I got Christian friends on the other side that would like fall out for me saying that. But here's the deal. There are other people with really weak conscience. They don't know how to hear God. What they need is for you to do what you do because you have a strong conscience. That puts a responsibility on you. Your life is not just about you. I don't drink alcohol at all because I don't want to. I have many pastor friends in the ministry that drink alcohol, and some of them to excess that they call me their friend, so I had to tell them, you know, what you're doing is in this category right here. There was a time when eating, I was in that category right there because maybe I wasn't drinking and drugging and doing this kind of stuff, but I was venting it through eating. No difference. I'm going to say it. Now, in our society, you think I was a huge No, no difference. Now, consequences can be a big difference. You know, what you drink versus what you eat, there can be a, 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 lot, a lot of different types of consequences in the present. But what matters is that I do what I do because I have a clear conscience before God and man. And if me drinking something is going to affect another person's life, then the Bible calls it sin. He didn't say it was sin because I was drinking it. He said it was sin because I was affecting other people's lives. We have to get to a place where we want to do what God wants us to do. You understand? And that our life is not just about our, it's not just about us. So I made this last statement and then I'm finished. Never let food or drink or drugs or this or any type of lifestyle override the second witness of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say that, we've all done it. Some of you did it this morning, probably. Learn what it means to not override what the Holy Spirit thinks about your life so he can advance you, he can trust you, and he can promote you into everything he created you to be. That's about the only way I can say it today. It was really important that I gave you this word today, but it's more important that you do something with it. Can you say amen? And anything that I said about things you can do or you can't do and, and, and all of that, none of those things can be misunderstood if you hear God. There was many years after I got off of, after I quit drinking or doing drugs, 
But there were just certain people I couldn't hang around for many years until I got to a point where I was convinced in the things I'm talking to you about today. And when I got to that place where I was convinced, then God allowed me and led me, actually, to be around other people because I had something that, that I, could do, I could accomplish in their lives. Until that time, I had to keep working on myself so that my life didn't affect other people with weak conscience. Did you hear what I said? So you and I have to grow up and we have to learn what this looks like because I tell you what, you're in my best days are before us. We will hear his voice and we will.